Life is often so busy, taking us here, there, seemingly everywhere. When you are unable to make it to church, we hope you are fed and nourished by listening to the preaching of God's Word wherever you are at the moment. In the meantime, take care, and God bless. Please pray with me. Loving God, through the written word and the spoken word, may we know your living word, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. What would you call this man? Jesus called him a fool. By our idea of what we call making it in society, it seems odd to see Jesus calling this, by all appearances, successful man, a fool. He's living that dream that we all aspire to in our working lives, taking a small field and turning it into a big field, and then a smaller barn and turning it into a bigger barn, building up savings for his retirement. But does that make him successful? Success seems to be something that isn't necessarily an end. Sometimes it seems to be this stepping stone from one success to another or one failure to another and back and forth. So what is success? It's defined in the dictionary as the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. The attainment of fame, wealth, or social status And when I imagine a conversation around success, I tend to imagine those motivational posters that you usually have pictures on that have nothing to do with the word or saying on the poster, but make you somehow feel inspired. And so when I Googled success and what that looks like, these posters popped up, right? And if you've ever seen the show, How I Met Your Mother, You may remember a character, Barney Stinson, who always wore suits. So we immediately thought, he must be successful. And in his office, he had an entire wall of these posters. And they would say something like awesomeness, and there would be a flying jet as the picture. Or he made up a word, impossible, and there would be like a rock climbing person who was hanging off of this cliff with no harness or anything. And you're like, for sure, that guy is going to fall, right? But nope. Anything is impossible. And there are some that are success. And so I made a few of my own. Success, some people dream of success while other people live to crush those dreams. If at first you don't succeed, dust yourself off and try again. In order to succeed, your desire for success should be greater than your fear of failure. The difference between the doers and the dreamers. Success is a journey, not a destination. Success is a matter of hanging on after others have let go. The road to success is always under construction. So how do you define success? Is it something like this on a poster that maybe sometimes makes you feel good or definitely makes you feel inspired because we're looking at tall trees, so how can we not, right? But it can be all kinds of things. Like I consider it a success for making it through one full year of parenting. And my child is still alive right? She's not hurt or anything. She's thriving. 
at least in my eyes she is, right? So that was a success of my own, was able to take this newborn baby and kept her breathing for an entire year. So kudos to me. And then my friend, she just moved to Minnesota. And if you are new to the state, you have to take a driver's test, right? And this is a long test, and some of them don't make, make sense because I remember I got a couple wrong, and I was like, that makes no sense to me. But she took the test, and she excitedly announced that she successfully passed her driver's test. So success can be different in everybody's eyes, right? Or success for me when designing and leading a confirmation program is less about having middle schoolers know everything there is about the Bible and memorization and more about knowing the church is a place that is safe, loving, and caring. That people are invested in them and that they know that God loves them no matter what. Or is success having a certain car that you drive or buying certain brands of clothing, having memberships to different clubs, being in honor society, owning a home, making a certain income, making sure that we as individuals have made it. Is that success? Because success seems like this perpetual cycle of constantly working towards something, whether that is happiness, status, or knowledge. And the list continues to go on and on of what success is. And we like to think that it is this straight shot of doing a series of things. And then you will be successful. You will reach the max success. But it kind of looks more like the reality side. Where success is like this roller coaster where you go back and forth, up and down, around and around with good things, bad things, little successes, big successes, failures. All of that is included in success. So what does success look like through faith in God's kingdom? The beginning of the parable sounds very much like a description of the entire earth, the land produced abundantly. And did you know that scientists tell us that every day more solar energy falls on our planet than all the energy that human civilization will use for decades? Every season of the earth produces enough food to nourish every person on earth abundantly. And trees and other plants freely offer oxygen that sustains us from our very first breath to our last. And as the parable puts it, the land of a rich man produced abundantly. And when the rich man in the parable responds to all of this goodness by proposing nothing but destruction and hoarding, it's interesting to notice how God enters into the situation. God interrupts this rich man with a reality check type of intervention, a reminder of mortality that cuts through the rich man's chatty spiral. God says, this very night your life is being demanded of you. Why is that God's response to this rich man having land that produces abundantly and is going to store it up? Well, St. Basil the Great spoke directly to this. He says, after you tear down your barns and build bigger barns, if you fill these larger ones, what do you intend to do next? Will you tear those down yet again only to build them up once more? What could be more ridiculous than the incessant toil laboring to build and then laboring to tear down again? He continues, if you want storehouses, you have them in the stomachs of the poor. 
He preached, the bread that you are holding back is for the hungry. The clothes that you kept put away are for the naked. The shoes that are rotting away with disuse are for those who have none. And the silver that you keep buried in the earth is for the needy. And he vividly illustrates that what can look like a life of security Bigger barns to store up the abundance from the land. Abundance way beyond what we will ever need. A savings that is getting so much more is actually an exhausting project of plunder that exhausts not only us, but the people around us and the earth itself that gives us life. Jesus looks at the rich landowner reveling in his stores of grain and sees a person drowning in self-absorption. A man enamored with his own power, a man oblivious to his own mortality. And notice that narcissism of his inner dialogue. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store up my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. And the carefully curated narrative of a proud self-made man Jesus sees this isolated, insecure soul. A soul who has forgotten what human connection looks like and feels like, forgotten God's generosity and provision, forgotten that possession is not stewardship, and forgotten that in the face of death, which is that great equalizer for all of us, we are all people in need of charity, but for the grace of God. And Jesus concludes his parable with one more warning. So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. What does that mean? What does a heart, a lifestyle, a home, a bank account rich toward God look like? Maybe, if Luke tells us anything, it means guarding against greed instead of obsessing over fairness like the man at the beginning of the text. Maybe it means that holding our mortality closer than we actually want to. Maybe it means having those hard questions about what makes us feel secure or insecure. Maybe it means acknowledging that even our hard-earned, well-earned, self-earned wealth comes from God and belongs to God. Maybe it means prioritizing human interconnectedness over personal gain or asset management. Maybe it means dialoguing with God more passionately than we monologue with ourselves. Maybe it means holding human wisdom Lightly, knowing that God's wisdom will almost always render our own foolish. Because in the parable, in the fool's quest for more, this man never consults anyone other than himself. Never stops to even thank God for the harvest that he fills his barns. His actions are not grounded in gratitude. He doesn't develop a plan to share his wealth with those who pick the crops or build the barns. He never considers that at his death, wealth won't transfer over to the next reality. He never learned wealth is a gift and that we are called to be co-builders of the kingdom with God. And so God confronts him with the most chilling words This very night, your life will be demanded of you. Are we listening? What would change about our ways of defining and working towards success in our lives if we really believed that? What would we do differently if we believed that God, in fact, demanded our lives from us every single day and every single way? Because God kind of does. 
The call to take up our cross is a daily, hourly, minute-by-minute call. It is also maybe that dollar-by-dollar call. If our lives have, in fact, been demanded of us, then how should we live? What should we leave behind? What should we carry forward? What should we give away? How would we look at success differently? Jesus says, be rich toward God. And as hard as that can be, let us take this invitation from the parable Jesus is offering to be brave and to wrestle with what this invitation truly means for us because the richness that we spend on God is the only richness that we'll get to keep in the end. Amen. You think about how you will live out your faith each day. If you would like to support the ministries at St. Andrew Lutheran Church, you can do so by having your credit card information available and then texting a gift to 952-260-9007. Thank you and God bless.